Welcome back, gay schools and everyone in between to our podcast, The Horror Bandwagon. The podcast where I make my scaredy cat skeptical and wonderful fiance watch horror movies with me. That's me. I'm the fiance. My name is Sergio. And my name is Cody. And we are boys for horror analysis. Criticism. And spooky. Okay. And sometimes kooky. Entertainment. And Cody, my dear, what are we doing for today? Well, guys, today we are grabbing our tuxes. We are pressing fast forward while we discuss our tuxes. We are putting on our ruffle feathered shirts and we are going to the prom. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And gu- guess who's going to be there? Is Carrie going to be there? Fucking Carrie White. Can you believe her? The nerve of her actually going to her own prom. For real. <laughs> you know, that is right, guys. We are talking about 1976's Carrie. Did I say that right? 1976's? Yeah. Is that I? I felt it come out of my mouth like it was wrong. Well, I mean, it, it is wrong if you're in Philly because those are the 1976ers. I feel like I got to do like an uff. I'd be like 1976ers. Actually, it's just the 76ers. Don't come for me, Philly. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, this episode is going to be a little bit different, a little bit weird, a little bit quirky because we are also filming this episode. Yes, that is right. We are now going to be a video podcast. No, it's not going to be official, <laughs> I guess. But we might be a little off because we're trying this for the first time because we're trying to balance also looking to the camera mm-hmm. and also uh, just being ourselves as normally on our podcast as we normally do. Yeah, and if you have loved hearing our voices in your ear holes and you want to see the voices come out of our mouths <gasps> with your eye holes... Ew, this sounds <laughs> so freaking weird. Then you can go over to our Patreon and yes. uh, join our family of patrons. Yes, that is correct. So the video will be uploaded to our Patreon. Um, it's going to be available in our meats and potatoes and just desserts tiers. So you'll be able to get that footage. If you want to see us, look into the camera. Like right now, we're looking into the camera, but you aren't seeing us if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> or any other podcast platform. It's going to be weird. Yeah, it's so good. If you're looking for like a great Pride Month uh, movie and I don't know why I consider this like such a gay iconic movie but well, it's because it's a pre Mean Girls Mean Girls yeah you had Jawbreaker and even Mean Girls mean is very girls. Mean Girls is very gay yes <laughs> it is. It is. so we suggest for Pride Month going over and checking that out we also covered um, a few Pride Month classics like mm-hmm. Season of Chucky Hellbent um those were really good episodes so make sure to check that out that was in our second season but we are in our third so we are talking about high schoolers and now we're continuing that that theme into prom mm-hmm. you know it's june people are just getting out of school my prom was in was in june was it my prom was in i think like april my prom was way before the end of the school year really yeah why they did it like a spring dance that is so weird. I don't know. It just like I was like, wait, was is like, that what they called it? Spring dance? No, it was still the prom, but oh, it was okay, like okay. <laughs> it was like that that time. It it was like maybe late April, 
maybe beginning of May, but it wasn't like it wasn't at the end of the school year. Like uh, uh, apparently, uh, I guess around here, the high schools do prom like after school is over, like the last day of school. I want to say, at least for my school, prom was a few days before graduation because I always remembered people would be hung over the next day. You know, so I honestly th- thought it, everybody worldwide <laughs> had prom in June. Um, but I guess maybe other people oh. have it a little bit different. Yeah, you know what? Mine was earlier. I got to open my eyes to these things. Um, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that was our dog, Bourbon. I guess he thinks there's an intruder in the house. We are, we're not scared. Mm-mm. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about prom. And with that... We have probably we're, we're talking about probably one of the most famous prom movies. Oh, I think the most famous. Prom yeah, movie. it's Carrie, and this is something a movie that I consider now to be my favorite horror movie. Well, not not my like number one, but it's definitely my. If I ever have a top ten, it's going to be in the top ten. Yeah, I, which I, I I feel like you know what I also think I've seen YouTubers. Oh my god, sorry. If you're seeing this uh on our Patreon because we are filming it, I created this little like overlay where we're split screened, even though we're definitely and all everyone knows that we're in the same room, but I just wanted to have this illusion where we are split screen. I am I touched Cody's shoulder in my hand. It's just like <laughs> it looks weird. Anyways, anyways, I'm moving on. Um I always find it funny when YouTubers say like this this is my top 10 favorite horror movies and i just feel like that always changes you know like i feel like new movies come and maybe that now will be in your top 10 i'm gonna wait until my deathbed <laughs> and like i'm in my deathbed uh, final I'm old. ranking i'm like i'm final taking ranking. it down yeah you have to film it from wherever you are and i'm in my deathbed and i'm like hello guys um like subscribe to my channel <laughs> um so starting at number one, starting at number ten. I don't know why I went one yeah. to ten. And press that notification bell so you can notify press the notification our next bell. <laughs> okay, guys, <laughs> because I want to hold off letting everybody, the world, know what's my top ten up until the very last moment. Imagine like I just don't make it to number one, and then nobody will know. Yeah, you're like, and then my my top movie number one, and this has changed. And silence. <laughs> oh my god this this episode got really dark. Yeah, enough talk about you dying. I don't want to hear any sorry, more. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But um, yeah, we're talking about Carrie, one of my favorite movies, uh, and I'm gonna explain why while we talk about it. But with that being said, we are gonna take a quick little break, and when we return, we're gonna be talking about our bloody appetizers. Stay tuned. Welcome back, ghouls. It is now time for our Bloody Appetizer segment. 
And this is the segment where we give you a few little tidbits behind the scenes action and just how this movie came to be. Yes, that is right. So Carrie, it was released on November 16th, 1976 with a budget of $1.8 million, okay. which is pretty low. I mean, yeah, let me not be crazy. If I had $1.8 million, I'd be hyped. But like $1.8 million, I wonder if that's like the norm for 1976. I don't know. I mean, it does feel certainly low by today's standards. I think that might that might even still be like not low for like what you would expect a blockbuster to be, but maybe for like a, a standard movie back then, it yeah. was probably around there. Um, in the U.S. and Canada, and I believe just worldwide at this time, I don't know really how many theaters it came out to, but it made thirty three point eight million dollars, which is pretty good. Yeah, I want to say they had a hit there. Yeah, I mean you you got like 32 million back. Yeah, that's really good. So, it was written by Lawrence D. Cohen who also contributed to it, the South Pacific, South Pacific. South Pacific TV movie, The Devil's Advocate. Uh he was a writer for that. Okay. Um and it was directed by Brian De Palma, who is actually very very well known for some very iconic movies, mm-hmm. Dress to Kill, Scarface, Carlito's Way, Mission Impossible, Stir of Echoes, Femme Fatale, The Black Dahlia. I mean, he has a really great resume on his hands. Um, and this was really towards his like try, like going into big budget motion pictures. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So go him. You got the cast. I do. So we have Sissy Spacek as Carrie White, Piper Laurie as Margaret White, Amy Irving as Sue Snell. William Catt as Tommy Ross, John Travolta as Billy Nolan, Nancy Allen as Chris Harginson, Betty Buckley as Miss Collins, PJ Souls as Norma Watson, and Priscilla Pointer as Eleanor Snell. Yes, that is correct. So anyone in this cast that that stood out to you, not like acting-wise or performing-wise, but like anyone that you were like, oh, this person's in this movie. I mean, John Travolta, of course. I was going to say, that's like the number one person that, you know, you... Obviously, you know that John Travolta was probably the more, he ended up being the more famous out of the whole cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say, I mean, I used to watch uh, Blast from the Past. And I don't know if listeners, viewers will remember this movie. It starred Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone and Christopher Walken. It was a cute little rom-com. Um, and... Sissy Spacek was in it. She was the mother. So I I definitely saw that one first, that movie. And that came out like in the 90s. And then I saw Carrie. And this was while I was young. So I I, I actually never really put it together that they were the same person until later on where I know knew how to use IMDb. So, (laughs) Well, and I feel like I've also heard of William Catt and PJ Souls before as well. I, well, oh my God, shame on me, PJ Souls. I knew who PJ Souls was, duh, Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she she played, I believe, Linda. Let me just double check. I love how I am such a big Halloween fan and I don't even remember them. I put, I typed <laughs> Linda Blair. Are you kidding me? Halloween 1978. Oh, my God. People are going to take away my horror podcasting uh, title. Linda, I was correct. Okay, yes. So she played Linda. Very iconic role. Very iconic movie. Mm -hmm. And as listeners of the podcast know, 
that was one of the first horror movies that I've ever seen and the reason why I love and fell in love with horror movies. So seeing her and I, this movie came out before Halloween. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my God, iconic. She was like probably thriving in the 70s. Yeah. Well, and it was one of the first movies I think that we watched together before the podcast Mm -hmm. when we were like way back in the beginning of me watching horror movies. Where you were just a a little baby horror lover. Um, I also knew William Cat only because I saw a recording of Pippin on Broadway, and he played Pippin. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think that's where I know his name from. He can sing. So a little bit of tidbits here, as you guys know about Bloody Appetizers. So Carrie was the first Stephen King novel to be published and the first to be adapted into a feature film. During an interview in 2010, King said he was 26 years old at the time and was paid just $2,500 for the film rights. Wow. But added, I was fortunate to have that happen to my first book. De Palma told Cine Fantastique magazine in an interview in 1977. I read the book. It was suggested to me by a writer friend of mine. A writer friend of his, Stephen King, had written it. I guess this was almost two years ago. I liked it a lot and proceeded to call my agent to find out who owned it. I found out that nobody had bought it yet. A lot of studios were considering it, so I called around to some of the people I knew and said it was a terrific book, and I'm very interested in doing it. Then nothing happened for, I guess, six months. So weird. Because I also remember that I think... I act like I remember from that time. Like, oh, man, 1970s. what What a decade. No, but like I remember researching that... Carrie wasn't an initial success. It was more kind of like what happened here, where it was kind of word of mouth. Like a sleeper hit? Like a sleeper hit, yeah. It ended up being very very popular, and I guess it got in the hands of De Palma. But I I also read the book. And there is a few differences um, between this movie and the book itself. So Lawrence D. Cohen was hired as the screenwriter and produced the first draft, which had closely followed the novel's intentions. United Artists accepted the second draft, but only allocated De Palma a budget of $1.6 million. A small amount, oh, okay. A small amount considering the popularity of horror films at the time. The budget eventually rose to $1.8 million. You got a little bit of a bump there. Uh, certain script scenes were omitted from the final version, mainly due to financial limitations. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I, that's why I was like looking at this and thought, wow, that does seem a little low. But I mean, if you think of it, nothing truly crazy happens up until the end. Yeah. You know, most of it is very character driven. The White House was filmed in Santa Paula, California, to give the house a gothic theme. The director and producers visited religious souvenir shops to find artifacts to decorate the set location. Okay. A wraparound segment at the beginning and end of the film was scripted and filmed, which featured the White's home being pummeled by stones that hailed from the sky. The opening scene was was filmed as planned, though on celluloid. The tiny pebbles looked like rainwater. A mechanical malfunction botched filming that night when the model of the White's home was set to be destroyed by stones, so the filmmakers burned it down instead and deleted the scenes with the stones altogether. The original opening scene is presumed lost. That is really interesting. I feel like it would have been a much different movie if you had had it start where like the house is getting rained on by stones and then it ends with the house being buried yeah. by stones. Yeah, it it's... It, it, 
kind of more adding to the uh, mythical, fantastical element of of everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we have now was a little bit set in reality more with the hints of supernatural coming in, you know. Yeah, I think that would have maybe like went too much over the top. Yeah, I think you're right. It would have been like it, it's it's sort of like almost an Ouroboros, which is this. Uh, I don't even know what that means. What the hell? <laughs> it's it's an image of a snake eating itself. So like the snake is eating its own tail, and it just like goes around and around and around and around. But cool. yeah, I I agree. I think that the way that the movie ended up coming out was probably better. So the final scene in which Sue reaches toward Carrie's grave was shot backwards to give it a dream-like quality. The scene was inspired by the final scene in Deliverance from 1972. Rather than let a stunt double perform the scene underground, Spacek insisted on using her own hand in the scene, so she was positioned under the rocks and gravel. De Palma explains that crew members had to bury her bury her we had to put her in a box and stick her underneath the ground well i had her husband bury her because i certainly didn't want to bury her wow the lengths that actors probably had to go in the 70s Mm because i think we heard a similar not a similar story because it seemed like brian de palma wasn't that like awful to his actors um because it seems like sissy space was like i'm down let me do it um but you know like the, the director of The Exorcist or the director mm-hmm. of The Shining yep. famously are known to try to like push the actor's buttons to the limit. Yeah, to try to get like that that authentic, like scared reaction. I mean, that's what I do on this podcast to Cody. Like I just like try to push those limits and really get that that content, that good juicy content. It's <laughs> the only way we bring you the podcast every week. Yeah. At the expense of your um health anyways (laughs) so one of the big things that i wanted to talk about oh we can't just like pass by this note that we talked about the fact that like seuss scene at the end was filmed backwards one i would have never known oh yeah me too but two it's effective because it is really trippy Mm -hmm. it is really cool and honestly apparently one of one of the first jump scares in a movie was like Carrie's hand just coming out of there. Um, and now we have just like random noises just blowing into our ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay, most importantly, let's talk about the music. So the score for Carrie, and I'm on a mission to get this score on vinyl because I love this score. It is a mixture of scary disturbing but so beautiful they the usage of like flutes i think the they use flutes very a lot or clarinets well it's very and and we i haven't known this uh that we're going to talk about i think when we get to this point in the movie but they definitely use a lot of simple music where it's just like a single flute and a single piano yeah to to basically indicate to us the innocence of carrie that's what i'm saying like it sounds so innocent it sounds it sounds so like almost childish but not really Mm -hmm. you know like i i really love this soundtrack and i do love how classic it feels especially like the scenes when specifically it's with uh 
Carrie's mom and Carrie, like you hear those just like eeriness to it. Mm -hmm. There's just so much in this soundtrack. So I, I just had to tell you guys that I stand this soundtrack a lot. Um, it was composed by Pino Donaggio. In addition, Donaggio scored two pop songs, Born to Have It All and my fave, I Never Dreamed Someone Like You Could Love Someone Like Me. Oh, no, no. Born to Have It All. I like that one better. The second one is good, too, but I do like Born to Have It All. With lyrics by Merrick Malloy for the early portion of the prom sequence. These songs were performed by Katie Irving, sister of Amy Irving, and daughter of Priscilla Pointer. Okay. Yes. So Donaggio would work again with the Palma on Home Movies, Dress to Kill, Blowout, Body Double, Raising Cane, Passion, and Domino. So he is a very well-trusted uh, yeah. composer. Nancy Allen claimed she never realized her character was going to be so evil until she saw the finished film. She thought she and John Travolta were playing such self-centered bickering morons that they were for there for comic relief. Piper Laurie also thought the character of Margaret White was so over the top that the film had to be a comedy. I don't know how you go over the top with either of those characters and get funny. Well, especially like Piper Laurie's character. Yeah. Because Mrs. White is is like supposed to be this over the top, but like to the point it's scary. Yeah. But I mean, I guess like you kind of have to give in and be a little silly to portray that correctly because obviously now it's it, you can definitely see how creepy it is and how scary it can be but nancy allen's character chris is so good at being the mean girl yeah because at the same time i don't think we ever see a like decent side of her <laughs> you know like we never have her have this like Maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe this is a little mean. Especially because she never takes it out. She never follows through with her going after the coach and what she did to her. Yeah. Well, she still because the, the coach is dead at the end of the movie. Well, but. and also, oh, spoiler alert, uh, for people who are like, just wanted to hear this and then going to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so Chris at no point th does she like actually think correctly. Oh well, yeah, all. like literally, she says some or she she says some really messed up stuff, and then the coach punishes her, and she's like, "This woman has no right. You can't treat me like this." Like very like wait till my father hears about this Draco Malfoy energy. Oh my god, yes, this is so Draco Malfoy energy. But also, she says all this, and then ends up saying. You know what? That fucking bitch, Carrie White. It's yeah. her fault. Yeah. Um, but no, I honestly think this is she's one of the original like mean girls. She is such, and she's like unapologetically a mean girl. Yeah. Which I also kind of love. Isn't it weird? What do you think? What do you think? Like, do you love her character? I mean, in that sort of way that like you love Regina George. Yes, but at least Regina George had some redeeming qualities by the end. Did she? What, because the only redeeming quality is she beats people up, but it's okay because it's a sport. And then she has a like silent knowing nod. There, I guess it's something having to do with the fact that she has such an attitude 
you know, like she carries herself. One, she's super, she has great fashion sense. She's like super cute. Mm -hmm. I love her like sort of Farrah Fawcett kind of hair. And she's just like, you're like, you know, she has that attitude and she's like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm the prom queen. You know what? Like, you know, my my, no, my she's the spring fling queen. My boyfriend doesn't go to the school, you know? <laughs> you know, she gives off that energy. But yeah. at the same time, it's great because you have someone that you're definitely rooting gets her comeuppance, and she does, mm -hmm. which is good. Anyways, this wasn't about her. But <laughs> The name of the high school is Bates High, which is uh, something we immediately got. Yep. Uh, it is a reference to Norman Bates from Psycho in 1960. Um, in addition, the four-note violin theme from Psycho in, from 1960 is used over and over in the film. Yeah, and honestly, the school board that decided to name this high school after Norman Bates, come on. Rethink that a little bit. Yes. So according to Piper Laurie, she honestly thought her character was too over-the-top fanatical. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. um, to be taken seriously. Brian De Palma had to take her to the side and personally tell her it was a horror film and not a black comedy, as some thought it was. Ever so, she would constantly burst out into laughter between takes because not only was her characterization and wardrobe laughable in her eyes, but the dialogue itself was humorous for her. To this day, she still refers to and maintains that the movie as a black comedy. Why does she think... Margaret White's wardrobe is laughable. I actually kind of live for her wardrobe in this film. Yeah, well, yeah, because she's like, just she pretty much just wears flowy capes. She's just flowing in the wind with with her with her gowns. Um, but I mean, she for me, her performance is great. Obviously, the, this movie got nominations for the Oscars. Yep. Uh, Sissy Spacek got got nominated for Carrie. And Piper Laurie got nominated for Mrs. White. Much deserved. But the only time that I do find her funny is when she's dying. I <laughs> I do love it. Because Carrie is have, has her pinned to the columns. Mm -hmm. And she's supposed to be replicating the crucifixion. But she goes, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, 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 and you're like looking at this for a good solid two or three minutes and those yeah. are really long two or three minutes mm -hmm. and i just can't help but laugh for me it's very much over the top like you know back in the day movies i just found it funny um but it's yeah it's, it's still serious stuff i'm still saying it's serious um the ending of the movie is different than the ending from the novel. And in fact, Stephen King liked the ending in the movie better than the ending of his own book. Really? I thought that he was like famous for hating like nearly every movie adaptation of his it, works. Yeah, it's very true. And I honestly, I mean, I don't know if his thoughts have changed. I don't know when this quote was taken, but um, this was the first of the Stephen King no, uh, novels turned movies. Yeah. You know, so maybe Carrie has a little bit of a special place in his heart. Uh, maybe he doesn't mind it because it was his first book and maybe he didn't think about what other options were. I will say um, that in the movie, you know, in the book, it is a little bit different. So the teachers actually do survive. Okay. They survive, but they end up being so traumatized from the experience at the prom that they end up not teaching anymore. 
Um, you kind of hear like some aftermath as to what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big thing. Like there is, they take some time after the prom. So the prom happens. Carrie actually leaves and none of it happens inside. So she actually gets it and then she leaves the gym and then starts to set the place on fire okay. and locks everyone in. Um, and then it's like on the news. It's like this whole big thing at the end. So they, there's a whole chunk. You could probably make a whole other movie for, based off of what happens after the prom. All right. Um, which also there is a mini series that came out in the 90s. You could also look at that. It's a much longer uh, movie. But it was like made for TV movie. Uh, so you can check that out as well. All right. Originally, Brian De Palma had used the split screen effect extensively during the prom scene. Disappointed with the results, he re-edited most of the scenes into full frame shots, leaving only the few split screen moments that he felt worked. That would have been really interesting to like see Carrie's face the whole time as she's doing all this stuff. That's true, I, but I do see. It's so hard because I feel like this is such a classic movie that I would hate to really change it. Yeah, like you don't want to touch it now. Yeah, right. But like I feel, and and we we talked about this like while the movie was actually playing. That like the face that Sissy Spacek makes, she's so good. Like just if you had that, like that face just on your screen for the full three minutes instead yeah. of like flipping back and forth. If yeah, you yeah. just had her like literally just that death stare yeah i feel like that would have been so powerful to see that just non-stop as everything True. Else goes to hell i do agree with that the the other thing that i wanted to say also was my favorite part is where she i think i think she turns off the lights or some or some light pops and then it's just all red yep right and that's the moment where you hear just that like and she just like look like She's, I think she's looking up and then starts to look down towards them. And that's where the split screen starts to like happen. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. Cinema magic. And I'm sorry for people who like hate this movie um, because I'm sure there's people who like this is not up their alley. This is not their favorite horror movie. But for mm-hmm. me, it's just like you're going to hear me really be in love with this movie a lot and there are certain aspects that i'm going to call out about this movie that probably don't age too well or being like why was that a choice <laughs> you know? and and don't be disappointed listeners i'm gonna be pointing some stuff out too yeah this is gonna be interesting this could be the last day of the horror band movie, but, <laughs> um initially pj souls was only cast for two weeks but after she hit sissy spacek over the head with her red baseball hat during the volleyball scene brian de palma decided to keep her around longer i'm gonna be honest with you we're reading off of this script when i read this i thought it said with her red baseball bat which i number one did not remember (laughs) happening and then number two i was like so your actor assaulted another actor and you're like "Mm, you know what Get, you that, can stay. That's the motivation. That's <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. You're gonna be a star. Um, <laughs> no, I think. I mean, that's great. I think PJ Souls really does a good job at being kind of comedic relief, but also like you kind of hate her. Yeah. At the same time, and also it's that's due to PJ Souls' charm because you then see her in Halloween and you are charmed by the character of Linda Mm -hmm. and to a point that you don't really want her to die in that movie. But in this one, yeah, you know, don't really care. (laughs) 
So Sissy Spacek asks Brian De Palma how he wanted her to react when Carrie first realizes that she is bleeding in the showers at the start. And De Palma told her, it's like you've been hit by a Mack truck. Spacek talked to her husband, Jack Frisk, who is the art director of this movie, or is an art director, I could be wrong, um, who as a child had been run over by a car oh when he was standing in the streets looking at a Christmas lights a neighbor had put up. Damn. Merry Christmas. Yeah. And used his description of the experience as a basis for the scene. Wow. That makes it so different. That does make it so different. Um, I wonder how that conversation went. I was like, listen, I need I need to really dig deep into your traumatic past. Tell me everything. <laughs> you know, I wonder how that conversation went. Yeah, I don't know. In Carrie's house, the statue of a religious figure shot with arrows represents St. Sebastian. It is not a crucifixion and does not represent Jesus Christ. Okay, interesting. Something I didn't get. I didn't get I don't know either. if they, they were supposed to do that or maybe they were like, oh, let's not... Maybe they were not trying to be overly religious. I mean, even though I'm sure St. Sebastian is pretty religious. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up. Okay. So St. Sebastian is the patron saint of archers and athletes. Huh. Oh, is that the picture? So uh, apparently he was a protector from the bubonic plague. That's interesting. Huh. But yeah, I can definitely see like the the figure looks like yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. The prom scene took over two weeks to shoot and required a total of thirty five takes. Wow, I still think it's not as long as the um, as the last scene of Scream. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't think it is either. Sissy Spacek wasn't considered for the role of Carrie until her husband, art director Jas Fisk, convinced director Brian De Palma to allow her to audition. Until that, De Palma was wedded to the idea of Amy Irving playing Carrie. When Spacek got the part instead, De Palma gave Irving the smaller role of Sue. Um, you know, oddly enough, I do see the the, the girl who played Sue, yeah. um, Amy Irving. I actually could see her play Carrie. Because she does have that, like, one, gorgeous eyes. Mm -hmm. But two, she does have this innocence to her in the movie. Yeah. That she does really well. Um, Also, the fun thing about now filming these things, you guys will see us when we're, like, drinking and also trying not to burp into the mic. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're probably going to be... We're getting close. We're getting close. Mm -hmm. Um... So, Sissy Spacek was widely thought to be too pretty for the title role. The correct, the character. Oh my God. <laughs> the character in the book being described as chunky, mousy haired, and covered in pimples, with Spacek being a tall, thin redhead with clear skin. The character was then rewritten slightly, saying that she would be pretty if she made an effort to tidy herself up a bit. Honestly, that's also like really gross. To be like, oh, you'd be so pretty if you just like took care of yourself. Hey, you know what? If, if any description described this movie, it's that one about Carrie White. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> yeah. perfectly said. Um, Stephen King got the idea for Carrie while working in a laundry. Some of the characters, like Carrie's religious fanatical mother, were based on people who worked there with him. That's really interesting. It's, it's like based on a true story. <laughs> like. This is just like he's he's working at the laundry and he's just like, man, what if there was like some 
some girl who just murdered a whole high school with her brain. I wonder if that's the thought process. Start <laughs> with the massacre and then work backwards. Well, I, like, wonder where, <laughs> I wonder where it started, right? I feel like it started with like the religious fanatic mom and then like what does that make her kid? And, yeah. and because one of the things that and I haven't I haven't seen all of Stephen King's work. I haven't read any of his books, but one of the things that I appreciate from what I have seen and, and we've talked about this before is the way that he brings in the human element that like that's a real thing that's oh, scary. Oh yeah. He always has something that's like supernatural, but the supernatural thing isn't the scary part. Every other scary movie is like the supernatural is the thing that's scary. Like the conjuring is a perfect example. The the humans are all like trying to just do their best and there's a demon after them. But here, uh there's always a, a supernatural element that you think would be the thing that's scary, but it ends up just being the people. And the way that they treat each well, other. Well, yeah, that's what it's like. It's there's a lot of elements being talked about in here, and I feel like somehow Stephen King was able to tackle it with just a, like a really simple plot. You know, girl who's an outcast is then put into a different situation. It's kind of very like if you took out the ending and how the ending happened, it usually would be like she's all that, like a rom com. They took a girl and decided to like oh some girl felt guilty how about my boyfriend take you to the prom and then she gets all pretty and she yeah, gets it's like popular a, it's like a queer eye episode oh good yeah <laughs> that's what she needed she needed some gay friends yeah she she did. carrie needed some gay friends so that we we could be like you know what you know what chris go fuck yourself i just <laughs> i just really see like her sitting uh in the chair with jvn and he's like i just i can't do any i can't touch this hair she's she's too perfect like like girl i, I live yeah i live do you love <laughs> uh no we love jvn on this on this uh on this brand um but no yeah what were we talking about <laughs> um the prom scene <laughs> what are we talking about oh we were uh, we we're like having to go way back in this i know wait a minute because we kind of sidetracked and then but there was another thing i wanted to say in the in this part um I'm sure we're going to talk about the movie more. Let's move on. Uh, Bernard Herrmann, who had been nominated for an Oscar for the music to De Palma's previous film, Obsession, was slated to compose the score, but passed away the December before the film was completed. That's so sad. Yeah. Herrmann's four-note violin theme from Psycho from 1960 is used over and over in this film. So they're kind of paying homage to him. Yeah. Yeah. Amy Irving admits that she originally hated the script when she first received it. After seeing the finished film, she thought it was simply magic and loved it. Yeah. I think it is, too. I think it is a little bit of magic. It's It really takes you on a trip into this time. And another thing that I do like about this movie is that it's such a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're really transported into the 70s. And I did remember what I was going to say. So, so, having to do with Stephen King. Okay. And... The fact that like there's so many elements to this film that they bring in, and one thing I do kind of feel like this could be a very uh, queer movie if you think about it, where you know you are kind of felt as the outcast, and you know she, you know, feels very much not accepted by everyone else, no matter what. She's uh, always she's always the villain, and I feel like you know us as you know, in the LGBTQI plus community, we can relate to that very much. Yeah. You know? And, well, and it, it even fits in super well with this idea of like a religious parent who like, yes, who like does love you, but 
loves a version of you that isn't you and trying to well because off the bat that. because she gave birth to someone like carrie she despises it and puts religious aspects into her face everywhere and the only way she can save carrie is by you know talking about god and jesus and obviously we're gonna maintain like a balance here because we are gonna respect people who are religious um and then you know obviously those who aren't but you know they she is pushing this into her face and you know we you know i grew up you know with catholic parents and you grew up with also parents who mm -hmm. were you're religious so talking about this stuff is pretty relatable in this movie yeah. we know how carrie's feeling because she doesn't she feels very different from what her mother thinks she should be and because of how you know we end up learning in the movie um how her mother sees her as someone who's disgusting you know she really can't bear to look at her unless she's constantly serving god in some sort of way well and i think it's deeper than that too i think that that it's it's hard for margaret white because carrie is a constant reminder of that trauma that happened to her and at the same time she is leaning so heavily into uh into christianity because she wants to in her own way prevent what happened to her from happening to Carrie. That's yeah. why she freaked out so much when Carrie got her first period because it was a symbol of her becoming a woman and being able to bear children. It's why she was so adamant to keep her away from any any person who was who identifies as male. Period. Yeah. Because no matter how good of a relationship you have, no matter how good of a person you think they are, they're all they're gonna do is they she like she said something along the lines of like the smell of it just drives them oh, wild. Oh yeah. That like it, they just that become is animals a pretty and it doesn't line. matter. Like yeah. they're just gonna do what they do and get you pregnant. And like I that's that's really what it comes down to, I think. At least my take from watching this movie a couple yeah. times is this is a woman who, while being extremely misguided and using all of the wrong ways to do it, at the end of the day, wants to protect her child, who is also at the same time a reminder of the fact that that when she was in Carrie's shoes, someone took advantage of her and that she can't yeah. get past that because she views herself as disgusting for that having happened to her. And that's where the Stephen King elements are so important here because, it, like, Carrie... You know, she she kind of was pushed to the limit. And one, if we talked about the supernatural stuff, like she didn't really have control of powers. She really didn't know what she really had. Um, but then like the true villains of this movie are her classmates, are the people that she relates to, to the point that like even the teacher is guilty of saying awful things about Carrie. Like it feels like no one really is supporting her. So we're very much on Carrie's side here. Yeah. And it sucks because at some point, and I told you this, it sucks because I know that her mom is one, she's, yeah, she's misguided, definitely needs some therapy, but also she was kind of right. You know, she did put her out there and this is what happened. And it's such a conflicting thing, you know? But because at the same time, she also did murder people because at the end, they still say, like, fuck Carrie White. Um, but isn't it interesting that no matter what her mom tried to do, Carrie got taken advantage of? Yeah. There there was just no way to win for her. Yeah, there wasn't. And it it sucks. It's it 
this is also a movie that when you rewatch it every single time, every time that I watch that this movie, I'm always thinking, man, I really wish it doesn't end the way it does. Yeah. Even though it's super iconic, but like you're rooting like it's especially when she gets the prom and how happy she is and how like, oh, like letting her blossom into this woman can be. You're like, man, I wish people weren't so awful that they ended up doing what they did you know yeah. plus you have the aspect of bullying the you know you we definitely want to talk about that aspect of like yeah bullying is awful and stuff like this does happen um especially that's why i keep saying like it's we are related to that because especially for kids in the you know gay community you know people who are trans even by you know people who are bisexual um experience bullying like this and are being made to be outcasts and be made fun of a lot yeah um and and all shapes and sizes of people it happens so i'm very glad that like stephen king addresses all this and it's a movie from 1970s so like even it, it, we still get movies like that so george lucas and this is probably one that you'll you'll get a hoot out of george lucas and brian de palma held a joint audition for carrie and star wars what yeah there's a long-standing rumor that originally sissy spacek was cast as princess leia and carrie fisher was cast as carrie but when fisher refused to appear in nude scenes and spacek was willing to do them they switched parts my mind is exploding right <laughs> however fisher refuted this story in a premier magazine article called the force wasn't with them <laughs> about actors who auditioned unsuccessfully for star wars the article quoted fisher as saying not only do i love being nude i would have been nude then but anyway it's total bullshit i love carrie fisher so much. <laughs> she is so iconic. Secretly, Sissy Spacek is trying to spread this rumor. Like, <laughs> I should have been Princess Leia. But also, she's super iconic for being Carrie. Yeah. So and, either way, and everybody Carrie wins. Fisher is super iconic for being Princess Leia. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't imagine them being switched. I just I can't. <laughs> but I do love that she's like, listen, I would have been nude. It was not that. <laughs> <laughs> So Amy Irving, who played Seuss now, originally read for the part of Princess Leia, and William Cat, who played Tommy Ross, originally read for the part of Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Man, I I forget how many other iconic movies were going around that time, mm -hmm. and probably how many just like overlapped people who were trying to get into these movies. Oh yeah. So crazy. Brian De Palma wanted Betty Buckley to really slap Nancy Allen. Because Alan couldn't get the reaction to Palma wanted, Buckley ended up slapping her as many as 30 times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you want to do like a slap now? No. Okay. <laughs> no. You're not going to get the reaction you want. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the podcast ends right there. It just turns black. Like <laughs> Quentin Tarantino has said that this is one of his favorite movies ever. I don't know that I'm entirely surprised by that, both because he has good taste in movies and also, you know, just because it's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take another short mini break. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into our meats and potatoes. So stay tuned.
and welcome back, ghouls. It is now time for our potatoes segment. And this is the segment where we actually go into the movie itself. That is correct. So let's start from the beginning. A shy, unpopular, and bullied 16-year-old high school student called Carrie White experiences her first period as she showers with her fellow female classmates after gym class. That does sum up the beginning of this movie. I mean, there's a lot to it. Um, Well, first, let's start off with the beginning of this movie, which was the slow-mo scene of the girl's in the locker in the locker room. No, we need to begin at the actual beginning, which is some very egregious violations of the volleyball rules. There are oh, wait, seven yeah. Yeah, yeah, girls you're right, you're right, you're right. on one side, which is not legal. Oh my and god. Wait, legal in the sense of like criminal or like No, <laughs> no but it doesn't follow the rules. You can you can only have six people on the court at one time. Okay. The quote unquote winning team had seven, so they cheated. Uh, and then also, they all blamed Carrie for losing that last point. Yeah. But it was not Carrie's fault. It was her other teammate, which I think actually might have been Sue, although that could be incorrect, who not only double hit, but triple hit the ball. You cannot hit the ball, and then it goes up, and then you try to hit it again. It doesn't work like that. Somebody else has to touch the ball between both times that you touch it. Instead, the girl hit it up, and it went into the net, so she tried to hit it again. Illegal. And then she tried to hit it a third time. Super illegal. She's the one who lost, and yet Carrie gets blamed for it. It's not fair. It is not fair. Um, Also, I'm so Carrie White in this moment. I hated pe i did not want to like be involved in these especially because kids were mean yeah. if you did it this is what would happen people mm-hmm. would yell at me if i did not hit the wall the wall the, the ball true story when we were playing softball when i was i think a sophomore uh in gym in high school yeah somebody hit the ball and i caught it with my glove and the gym teacher applauded. That's how bad I was at sports. Oh, people were like, yeah, you did it. Yeah. Good job. Good job. It was like a wow. Cody actually like did a sports thing. No, I was very quiet when it came to PE. Especially when I had it with my friends, I was like, okay, cool. I This is bearable. But um, I actually did look forward to volleyball. I didn't mind volleyball. I, I actually had fun with volleyball. Um only because I always did like spiking it. No, serving it. Yep. I did like serving it. I did not like and playing he still in the other. still serving it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh. Anyways. So, yeah, I don't know the rules. I didn't pay attention. I did not pay attention that much. But I do like that it kind of just like opens up. There's no music. It just opens up on a volleyball game. And you just hear the sounds of like just students you know, playing and you'd hear like you see like the um of a, a production by blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um which I really like. It's I don't know what it is about what about it is so interesting. It just seems so quiet and like you have a moment. It's like your only moment to breathe until like the movie really hits you. Yeah. You know? Um but then it does go to them going into the locker room and having to shower and we get a lot of nudity and we get a lot of um you know some some boobies and some 70s bush mm-hmm. uh, uh but hey the girls are serving 
But we also have to remember that this is supposed to be portraying high schoolers. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very uncomfortable. But from uh, which I totally get. Remember, these are like this was a stage where like 30 year olds were playing high schoolers. You know, none of these none of these characters in this movie were were. Well, no, mostly mostly I think we said it before or maybe I didn't. Susie Spacek, I believe, was 28 years old. 28? 28. Oh, wow. Or 26, and the coach was 28. Oh. Right? Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Um, I won't say Coach Carter, but uh, what was the coach's name? Miss Collins. Miss mm-hmm. Collins, the girl, who, the actress who played her, was 28, and Sissy Spacek was 26. So they're all, like, mid-20s. Um being in this opening scene, just being out there. But if I'm trying to reach a little bit um, and defend this movie, um, I think it kind of has to do with, like, you know, innocence. We, we want, like, they're innocent, um, kind of, like, the beauty of, you know, like, the, the woman's body as well as, like, just being vulnerable, um, it takes me back to kind of like it's, it's, this is all such like a religious movie uh, or has like it's not a religious movie, but it has a movie with like a lot of religious references. Um, the story of like Adam and Eve and like Eve and just being like completely out and about, you know, even though according to the Bible, Eve was the origin of sin because she listened yeah. to the snake and, and ate the apple. But um or I should say the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is usually portrayed as but apple. Then, but, that, but then you also have it paired with the music, I, which is really amplifying that to the forefront. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think this is supposed to, at least in my mind, represent the like innocence. Yeah. And also the just the normalcy that this is supposed to be like there's nothing special. It's just, you know, you go to gym, yeah, that's you true. shower, and then and and, and it's I think that's also coupled with, uh, and and this is kind of like leading us into the next scene. It's it's coupled with her getting her period, which uh, which again, you know, as as adults watching this, so sort of like, oh, that's that's normal. You know, w- women get periods. Yeah, exactly. And and there's there it's it's not supposed to like you as the as the viewer like this this isn't weird. Like there's nothing weird about this. But to Carrie as the character. It's very weird. This is not a normal day. What also kind of places the audience as in a vulnerable state yeah. already. Because you're seeing like women who are naked and you as an audience viewer, or, or, you know, we all get the same way. Like, okay, they're portraying some nudity. And so we're also in a vulnerable state. So at that time, um, it's kind of like we are vulnerable as Carrie is. And then once this happens, it's kind of gets very awkward yeah you know mm-hmm. um unaware of what is happening to her she panics and desperately pleads for help believing herself to be bleeding to death the other girls led by the arrogant popular and beautiful student chris hargensen who frequently bullies carrie gleefully responds to this by pelting her with tampons laughing and chanting plug it up plug it up awful yeah 
awful. I can, I can, this is a traumatizing moment in life. This is something like, even if everything went peachy keen at the prom, she will grow up to always remember this moment. Um, it is a very important moment in a woman's life when this happens. So it's just like traumatizing that they're just like, really, I mean, the fact that it's, it's just cruel. They're throwing tampons at her and, you know, she she's freaking out. Yeah. I always found this this part to be disgusting. Not in like a like how dare this movie portray this, but like in how these characters could do it. But you kind of have to place these guys, especially for Sue, because she does participate in mm-hmm. it. She helps there. And when Miss Collins comes and breaks it up, Sue also like you can see her immediately be like, Oh yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah. She kind of like woke up in that moment and was like, what am I doing? The one character in this entire movie with a conscience. Seriously. Gym teacher Miss Collins breaks up the commotion and slaps Carrie in the face in an attempt to calm her down. One thing about this movie, I don't know why everyone is so freaking physical. Like everyone is slapping everybody. Mm -hmm. Everyone is punching everybody. Like it's just nonchalantly. There there was no rules. There was no decorum back then. They were just like, fuck it. Um, Because at some point, Miss Collins goes up to uh, Sue and she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she's like shaking her. And she's like, oh my God. Um, which is fair. I feel like as a teacher, I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Like, why is is this like especially, you know, now you wouldn't even think of something like to do this. Like it it just would be awful. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Miss Collins slaps her in her face to kind of like get it together, girl. A light bulb mysteriously breaks as Carrie reaches the height of her panic. And there is now glass all over the shower floor. You won't see it. It's just, it's not a good time. It's not a good time for anybody. Miss Collins manages to console Carrie and tell her what menstruation is. Later, the school principal seems uncomfortable as Miss Collins expresses bewilderment that Carrie is so uninformed about menstruation. As he dismisses Carrie from school for the afternoon, she becomes frustrated as both cigarette smoke emanates from an ashtray and the principal repeatedly referring to her name by cassie causing the ashtray to flip from its desk and shatter this is the infamous it's carrie kind Mm -hmm. of kind of deal and she uses her her magic which nobody questions at that moment like miss collins is sitting there and physically sees it up in the air and go like what are they gonna say like that's the wind yeah i mean there's there's clearly like I think it's just a if if one random like super weird thing happens. I mean, even if it were to happen to us, I feel like we'd be like, that was that was weird. Uh, no, okay. I mean, yeah, I guess I wouldn't immediately be like, you have telepath telekinetic powers. Yeah. Um, but there is a very big moment in this movie which I also thought was going to be like, oh, maybe the teacher isn't as good as we think but it also it's it's kind of realistically what a person would feel like i guess they're not perfect and they're not going to be like always like yeah i'm the heroine i'm the 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 leader of this movie you know so miss collins at some point says um i can't blame the girls because i also wanted to just wring her neck because she's freaking out over just getting her period yeah so she and and for me it kind of made me feel like she used to be like the mean girls mm-hmm. when she was younger. 
you know yeah it gave me those vibes that she was like i know how the girls feel because i was those girls picking on the younger students before well and even if she wasn't i feel like it's also just a thing of like even the person who's supposed to be protecting carrie is like kind of annoyed by her like yeah like well the principal does get it together it really comes home with the principal really not caring to know her actual name and even miss corrected multiple yeah miss collins correctors yeah overall everybody in this movie is just awful um so on her way home a young boy teases carrie and she makes him fall off his bike just just one look this is where she's just walking minding her own business too Mm -hmm. and some kid comes rolling on by and is just like creepy carrie creepy carrie i'm like bitch yeah. Take this. And Kid he falls off the... It. Although, I will say, like, before the principal's office is the first time that we really start to hear, like, Carrie's music, where it's just the, like, just the single flute above a lone piano. Yeah. I, I, like, it's very, it's very, like, pastoral to me. Like, it's just, it's really just so simple and let me see if i if i can play it so that way we can all get in the vibe you know we we're all in this together don't sing it here it is yes yes hey 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 hey. (laughs) well and like even to me this sounds this sounds like familiar like it sounds like uh, well for me you know what it sounds like for me, it sounds like that Lay Miss song where he sings, Bring him home. No, it does not sound like Bring Him Home. Bring at all. him home. Shut up. Let <laughs> him live. Uh, it sounds. Hold on, I'm doing the whole verse. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I die. Anyways, <laughs> I, that's not even a lyric in that. In that well, you were close. It's if I die, but that's fine. If I die. <laughs> Anyways, um, everyone's like earphones just like pop off. Um, yeah, so that's what we're, that's just the, the music that we're referring to in this in this movie, which is kind of Carrie's main theme. Yeah. Um, at home, Carrie is abused by her fanatically religious mother. Let's not forget that she. Uh, we also have a scene with Carrie's mom who goes over to the door of the Snells and uh, Sue Snells. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm saying Sue smells. Um, <laughs> I swear. I'm sure she smells lovely. Um, Sue Snells mom, <laughs> Mrs. Snell uh, opens the door and sees Margaret right there. And is clearly like uncomfortable. And she's like, well, because I feel like they all like, they also are kind of bullies to, yeah. Margaret Wright. They're also just like, yo, what you know about Margaret Wright? She you know, literally takes here. a I really phone call deal with like, her. just in the next room and is like, oh, Margaret White is over. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I tried to tell her to leave. Like, she's basically like, <laughs> you, you know, you know her. You, you like, know you can't her. do no, anything gonna... about it. She's My just favorite, and where she's like, I want to donate five, ten dollars. My favorite is at some point where, like, Margaret White is like, and all society is just going to shit. And she, and Mrs. Snell is like, I'll drink to that. I know. She's so, she sounds like a fun, she's the cool mom. She's yeah. the fun mom. Um, yeah, that, that is correct. But um, I love how extra she is in this moment where she takes, where she sees the money and she's like, oh, I see. And wait, wait, no. She takes a moment, puts away her whatever she has. Mm-hmm. 
dramatically turns around, and I dramatically did that for viewers, opens the can and just has her put in the money, closes it. Yeah. And then... <laughs> and uh, a, a, just one more interesting tidbit. I know we're past bloody appetizers. We're past that. Then. We, you should have mentioned that. We're moving on. Sorry. Right, get on, save it. Get on I'll the bus. It. I'll save it. No, I'm kidding. What is it? Um, so at the, at the end of the movie... Um, oh, now we're also going at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. I forgot this was Cody's Cody's horror workshop. Well, no, in in the scene <laughs> in in which Sue like wakes up from her nightmare and her mom is trying to comfort her and like get get her to realize that she's not dreaming anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, and I think that this made it into the final movie. Um, S- Mrs. Snell accidentally calls Sue by her real name, Amy. As oh she's, really? Like, trying to get her to shake out of it, yeah. Oh no! Well, I mean, that, they're actually real life mother yeah. and daughter. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, little little goofs, little goofs there. So Margaret, who rants about menstruation being the result of sinful thoughts, Carrie is dragged and locked in a small, specifically decorated prayer closet and forced to pray for forgiveness. When she is finally allowed to go to her room, she gazes into her reflection, causing the mirror to shatter. This is actually not this is not the first time, but the second time where the psycho violins come into play. Mm-hmm. This the first time was when the kid was going creepy carry, creepy carry, and she decides to just look at him and he, he falls over like a bitch. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh no. <laughs> Am I keeping that in? I guess I'll, I'll I'll keep it in. Well, that's up to you. Just for those people who like burps. Um listen, I listened to full on full length podcast podcast podcasts who like people would burp everywhere and I'm okay with it. I'm sure people are okay with some some minor burping. Yeah. You know, that the word rated uh MB for minor burping. <laughs> um so yeah, so she gazes into the reflection causing the movie to shatter and Carrie's mom is like what the fuck was that? And she's like nothing, mama. And she falls asleep. Also, I know, I think every uh, story of Stephen King takes place in Maine, but for specifically Carrie and Margaret, not even Margaret, I think just Carrie. Carrie has a southern accent. Yep. She's like, I could have lived, mama. I, I," you know, so like, she sounds like that, but like Margaret is also not really a little bit. She has a little bit of a southern accent. Yeah. Or a very New Orleans accent. Yeah, it's just, it's, it it's so strange because it sticks out. It really sticks out. Else. Yeah, because everyone else is not doing it. So I don't know. Maybe they move there. Maybe they move from there. I don't know. So Carrie's classmate Sue feels guilty for participating in the locker room antics. So she arranges her boyfriend, handsome and popular Tommy, to ask Carrie to the upcoming prom instead of her in order to make up for her cruel actions. Man, Sue is like really feeling it. Like mm-hmm. she really feels terrible, which is kind of good. We like that everything is balanced a little bit here. Like, yeah, we have our awful characters who are completely just disgusting, but then we also have the other characters like Miss Collins, who also feels guilty enough because she knows how mean she was, which I'm going with. That's my background story for Miss Collins, but. She's trying to be good, but also we have Sue who's trying to be good and really nice, genuinely. 
Um, do you think? Do you ever doubt her her intentions? I don't because I f- like I feel like you see Sue immediately realize what she's done and regret it at the beginning of this that's movie. true. So I think that like she she you're supposed to look at that and be like, oh, okay, she like she really does truly want to help because she feels bad. She realizes the harm that she did in laughing at Carrie. Yeah, and I feel bad because like Billy here. Has nothing to do with it. He had he was living his normal life yep. like usual, but then Sue decided to bring him in and be like, "Can you take Carrie to the prom?" I wish she should have just like, you know what? I'm not taking you to the prom. I'm actually going with Carrie. You know, make it a girls' night. Yeah, and there's several things to mention about this conversation that that happens between uh, between her and Billy, and also the conversation then when they are both talking to Miss Collins, when Miss Collins is like, why are you two trying to fuck with her? Like, this isn't cool. Be nice. Um, well, oh, before, because I think I know where you're getting at, so hold that thought. Okay. But we also do have a scene with Billy and Carrie. They're in the same class. I'm guessing they're in English class. Yeah. And they're talking about a poem that um, Billy wrote. And it's a really nice poem, actually. I wonder if it was copyrighted. Not copyright, plagiarized, because I always thought that maybe he was just copying another another oh, poem. I, I see what and which saying. is why everyone's thinking like, why would you be able to write this? That's why he's laughing. And he's just like, oh shucks, I'm just that good. That's what I'm saying. Well, but maybe it was you know, that's up to debate. Maybe Billy is really good at it, but they're all just making fun of it. Um but Carrie decides to say that she finds the poem to be beautiful and the awful teacher super annoying. I don't know how he got his job teaching kids, but she was he was like beautiful. Beautiful. I was like, all right, bro. Well, cuz he's like, well, chill. I asked for a criticism and you said something nice. You're so stupid. That's like basically <laughs> what he said. But hey, he's like, I- class do you think that was a criticism? I do like that Carrie didn't give a fuck. She was just like, I find it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Listen, make out with me now. No, I'm now on this podcast, we do bring the criticism. Mostly me. Yeah, I think mostly you. <laughs> All right. You were saying about Ms. Collins and the conversation. Yeah, there's a couple things in here that are like not cool. The first um, is that at some point, Ms. Collins says, but if if Billy goes to the to the prom you you can't go you can't go without a date and we're like okay um heteronormativity is always a no always. <laughs> yeah that was where it's like you you know you can't go like she is finding every excuse to come up kind of like get them caught in this sort of act which is so weird because i feel like she was so focused on the wrong mm-hmm. people and here. i think i called him um billy i meant tommy i was just using the wrong name oh no i said billy too earlier sorry guys it's tommy it billy is, tommy. is the other guy billy is john travolta billy is john travolta sorry uh, sorry, which, sorry. W- and we will talk more about john travolta in just a second oh, but wait but then there's all there's also miss collins says uh don't you think you'll look a little ridiculous walking into prom with Carrie White? That was the shadiest thing. Like, don't you think you're going to be looking like a little ridiculous coming into, into prom with Carrie? Aren't is, they going to say stuff? That is not Alice. Oh, my God. I was like, girl, because right before this scene happens, and I was trying to stop you before you said it, right before this scene happens, Carrie has a conversation with Miss Collins. And because she's feeling a little down because um, 
Billy asked her out. So we did miss a little bit here. Tommy. Ah! <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Tommy. Um, eventually, like, so Sue and Tommy are trying to tell each other, like, no, he doesn't want to do it. But she wants him to eventually, while they were doing homework, he's like, fine, I'll do it. Because he loves her, I guess. Um, and then he goes visit. He goes to visit uh carrie in the library and is like hey i want to ask you out um to the prom how about you go with me and this is while she's like looking up telekinetic powers and is in the library just kind of trying to study up a little bit and she's like bro do you not see that i'm very busy right now yeah she has a bunch of books when she doesn't even help, try to help her out but you know she, she can do it on her own that's fine but she rejects him she's like no i don't want to do it but she does go over to miss collins and she's like, why are you so sad? And she's like, well, because Billy, ah, Tommy, Tommy asked me out. And she's like, he's like the pop- most popular. I like he doesn't even, she doesn't even mention that Sue is going out with Tommy. Yeah. Um, maybe she does to Tommy in the other, in the other conversation. But yeah. So Miss Collins is like, listen, that's fine. You need to be, you know, you need to be confident. Let's like pull back your hair. Let's put on some makeup. And she was like, very her. like JVN moment. This is her JVN moment. Yeah. So they're looking at the mirror, but then we get a close up of Miss Collins because she kind of she gets to start being worried about the fact that what's going on here, mm-hmm. which leads to the conversation with uh, Miss Collins, Tommy, and sue and this is where like pj souls comes in into the play because she's like trying to uh drop something off and for me i always thought that she was trying to spy mm-hmm. you know she was like oh let me hear the conversation what's going on here but i also think it's because she starts to spread the rumor that um tommy and sue aren't going together and that yeah. tommy wants to ask out ask out carrie um one thing i do like about this scene also is when um they're like I think Tommy said he wasn't going to the prom with Carrie and she, Oh no. She, Tommy said, Oh, she already rejected me. Yeah. And she was like, well, with a little more work, we're going to make sure she does. I was like, Oh, okay. Wow. So you're on a mission. I would have just been like, all right, cool. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so Carrie's reluctant and is encouraged by Ms. Collins in a conversation to accept. Now let's go over. And this is another aspect that we did miss too. During Miss Collins' after-school detention, Chris furiously throws a tantrum and defiantly skips her detention for tormenting Carrie, resulting in her getting slapped in the face by Miss Collins and receiving... I don't know. I, and and basically, she's, like, banned from prom. She can't go to prom anymore, which was the whole, like, Miss Collins called out all the girls after school. She was like... I wanted to take away your ability to go to prom. And they're all like, <gasps> not the prom, not the prom. And then she's like, but the office wouldn't let me do it. So you have detention. You got a week's worth detention. Me. And your detention. No, my favorite was it's, it's a week's detention. They're like, oh my God, but it will be my detention. And I'm like, oh, yes, do it. Do it, girl. Except really, all she's doing is helping them get more in shape for the prom. It's like, it, well, they're she, not going to have fun with it. Listen, they're going, well, they're going to mean, make yeah. sure that they're going to work for it. But 
But like literally they put work bitch on in the background as they're like doing But I love how Chris was like, I ain't coming. Like she literally was like, I'm not coming. And uh Miss Collins was like, That's up to you. That's up to all of you. Refusal to attend attention will be something suspension and refusal of your prom tickets. Bitch. Mm-hmm. She didn't say that last part, but she pretty much said it. She pretty much did. Um, and then we do get a fun little, this is where like the quirky moments come in. Because the score then just has this like, like uh, actually, I have this this the score in front of me. I wonder if they have it. Is it calisthenics? Do you think it's, it's that? Calisthenics. <laughs> yeah, it's very- it's <laughs> this one. They're just like working out, and it's like it's like fun and great. <laughs> but then it starts to get slower because they're tiring out. <laughs> yeah. This this is literally the soundtrack to my work day. <laughs> this is so funny. It's like me at three o'clock. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, Wait, hold home. on. Starting work. Yeah, walk in. Got coffee in my hand. I'm like having a good time. Meeting one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You at like five o'clock, yeah. me texting you, babe, where are you? I was like, and I'm like, I'm just walking <laughs> to my car. <laughs> no, this this part was really funny, and there is a little bit of an outtake because you you hear Miss Collins count, and you hear her laugh in one of the the times where she's like, one, two. <laughs> <laughs> like you hear a laugh, so I, I love when they keep like little little goofs in there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, eventually Chris is like, I've had it, and she gets laughed by Miss Collins because I don't I don't know. I guess she was just like fucking over her again. This, this is a physical movie for some reason. Um, swearing vengeance, she recruits her delinquent boyfriend Billy to play a prank on Carrie. And before we go to the next part. Yeah. I do need to point out this one scene where they like, they're driving off and she's like, ah, oh, that Carrie. And she's like messing with her hair. And she's just like, ah, oh, Miss Collins. She, ah. Oh. And then like, they, they have this whole thing. And then she, like, Billy tries to like make a move on her and she's like, mm-mm-mm-mm. No, and then proceeds to just do stuff anyway, and she goes down on him, and while supposedly giving head, she is saying his name out loud. She's like, oh, Billy, Billy, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, you're fully, so you have a, like, a One of you is not doing the thing that the other things are doing. You have a full-blown penis, you know. In your mouth. In your mouth. Which, more power to you, we are not shaming that no for yeah get it but at the same time you're definitely chewing on it if you're trying to say billy <laughs> either that or she is a really good ventriloquist <laughs> which again hey that's talent people mm-hmm. will go to vegas to see that um but what we're trying to say here this whole scene is very odd to me because it first starts off with like we get a little bit of a comedic moment because we get Billy drinking and driving and he sees a car pull up and is his friends and like, hey, yeah, they literally throw him a beer from their car yeah. to his. 
And then another car comes up, and it's girls, and they're like, ah-ha-ha. And he's like, hey, hey. And then they drive <laughs> off. And then the next one is a cop. And he's like, oh, no. And then he throws it. And then she's like, ew, what the hell? And he starts calling it. She call, starts calling him names. He's, it's like one of those relationships where they love to, like, really hate on each other. But they find it so hot. Because at some point, like, he slaps her and, like, shakes her. And she's like, no. Yeah, like, pretty much what you said. Yeah. And then... She does that. And I love how in the middle of everything, the scene ends with her being like, I hate Carrie White while she's down. Bedroom talk. Fun. I'm going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate Carrie White. Um, So they then decide as part of the plan, and this happens um, in between. It happens in between. Bill, not Billy, Tommy, going over to Carrie's house, right? Um, and she, she, he decides to really like umph it up and says, like, listen, I really want to take you to the prom. And it's actually very sweet because he's like, I'm not taking no for an answer, which like not cool, but, <laughs> but, but like the, the like being persistent, being like, I know that you want to go to prom with me. But it's and, making her feel wanted because yeah. for the first time she's like, like, why would you want to go with me? Blah, 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 blah. You know, very rom-com-ish mm-hmm. at this moment. And it's really sweet. And I like seeing her being wanted, you know, in that way. And, you know, I, Billy is a, is a nice, despite like the man, the 70s afro that he has, like the, the curls, which actually really looks nice. Mm-hmm. I think it's really well kept together. He's a good looking guy. So like they picked Tommy their, or Billy? Tommy. Why do you think Billy's good looking? No, but you said Billy before. What the fuck is wrong with me? Like, it's, it's, it's why can't I get it? It's too much WandaVision. Weren't weren't her two sons, Billy and Tommy? Tommy and Billy, Tommy, Tilly, Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> if only. Anyways, um, so Tommy eventually asks her out. She says yes because she just wants her to like. She just wants him to go away. Um, and then they have dinner with each other, and she decides to tell her mom that Tommy has asked her out. And she's like, this is, I think that's where she starts the whole, like, uh, first comes the blood, then come the boys. No, that's that's from, that's from the very, well, no, she doesn't say it there. Because she talks about the curse of blood. Her mother talks about the yeah. curse of blood. And how, of course, if Carrie wasn't having these impure thoughts... She wouldn't have had the blood. And no, I think that this is where she says, first comes the blood and then come the boys. They can smell it. They love the smell of it. And it like just goes through that whole thing that we already discussed in in great length. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that definitely happens. And this is also the first time that Margaret White sees the powers yeah, that Carrie like sticks Carrie, up for herself. Yeah, well, because one, she like throws, I don't know what it was. I think it was just water, but throws water in her face um, because they're just like having dinner by candlelight. And then it's now dark. And this is the, also the infamous line where she says, like, um, if I think hard enough, I can move things, mm-hmm. which is very iconic line from, from this movie. Um, and in this moment, she kind of has her like, power more in the sense of like she feels empowered yeah in this moment where she's like i'm not gonna let you take this moment away from me because i really want to go and i'm going and she decides to put her foot down and she makes her own dress and it's very pretty 
Um, so yeah, so swearing vengeance, she recruits her delinquent boyfriend, Billy, to play a prank on Carrie. They slaughter pigs from a nearby farm and place a bucket of their blood above the stage at the school's gymnasium. Margaret discovers Carrie's prom plans and attempts to abuse her again. Having researched her telekinesis, Mm -hmm. Carrie asserts her power and stands up to her mother. Margaret responds by accusing Carrie of being a satanic witch. After this, we learn that yeah, Carrie is making her own dress, but she does have, and this goes with the other students, but she does have this nice little montage of going to the store and trying on some lipstick and, you know, like just being really cute. And she's like, people are like looking at her for some reason, but she's like really trying this time. And she's really putting herself out there. But then we also have Tommy and his friends just like goofing around and wearing, um, putting on their tuxes or trying on their tuxes but it's really funny because in this moment for some freaking odd reason they're having a conversation and then it speeds up yeah it's It's literally like they they use they use the effect of someone pressed fast forward on the vcr remote and And then it goes to another part of the conversation which is like i don't know why stylistically that needed to happen maybe even it even includes the like stack yeah like that that I mean, there there may be people, and I f- I feel so old saying this. There may be people listening to this podcast who have not watched something on VCR that have only ever seen DVD. And VCR used to make noise when you press fast forward because it was cycling stuff. Yeah, this is your lesson in history for today. Oh my god! And <laughs> and, and they like literally put that in. It it couldn't be more comical if they tried. We both burst out laughing because it's just like. It's just so strange to have included that in this movie. You could have just done a jump cut, but instead they fast forward and, and maybe it's just to like show that, all right, these guys are are talking about fashion so much, even though they, <laughs> they said that they don't care and they're just here to pick up something. And apparently you can rent a tux for $5. So I'd like to, Oh yeah. I like forgot about that. that time. Um, but I, I just find it funny because I, I honestly feel like, they didn't know how to cut this in the right way, and they just decided to speed fast be- beside it. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't even like go anywhere. It's in the same scene. They just stand still for a little bit and just fast forward the conversation. I just thought that that was funny. Um, but then we do get the pre prom scene with Carrie and her mother. Um, she comes in and she was like, "Red." How do I know it was always going to be red? And we're like, bitch, it's pink. It is pink. Well, she, <laughs> she does say that, though. She she was like, it's pink, mama. <laughs> and then in my head, all I hear was, it's chocolate. Wow. <laughs> um, if you guys know RuPaul's Rock Race, you'll get that reference. Mm-hmm. Um, Somewhere somebody just bust out laughing. <laughs> I hope. Um, but yeah, this is also like a sweet scene not a sweet scene actually it's pretty disturbing um because at some point she starts to like margaret white starts to hit herself and you know um she's she's trying to get ready but she's she's like stop hitting yourself mama stop hitting yourself and she like uses her powers to push her against the the bed Mm -hmm. um and she's now becoming more powerful and kind of becoming more more in control of her powers um we also get the line of like i can see your dirty pillows 
Yeah, <laughs> I can see your dirty pillows. Which then followed by Carrie saying, "They're breasts, Mama. Everybody has breasts." Me I hope I'm having said, me, me too. Oh my god! <laughs> I hope I'm having like I'm giving a good southern You're accent. You're doing good. I'm trying to do a, an accent of Carrie in this movie. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, and then we also uh, this is also a really iconic scene. This this has so many good things. We also get the they're all gonna laugh at you mm-hmm. line in this in this scene, which is really I mean, everybody knows it. And it's from Carrie. Yeah. So and, it's good. And then uh I think a little bit earlier before we see the scene with Carrie and her mom, we also have the friends continuing with their plan. You know, they went to the they went to the slaughterhouse, they got the pig's blood. For some reason Billy's hair was soaking wet and uh and and everyone else was completely bone dry. Don't know why. Just strange things. <laughs> oh and God. then and then literally like the one friend shows up at the school and talks to some random guy who I guess is in charge of the prom and it's like hey I know the prom is tonight can I count the votes I really wanted to count the votes <laughs> I just really want to so bad and I'm like if I'm on the prom planning committee and some dude shows up dude who like you you see him talking and asking you this and you're like why do you want to do the prom Yeah, you're like Mr. Jock why do you want to do the prom and I would be like you know what no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to show up on the day of prom and for some strange reason ask that you be the one to collect and count the ballots. That sounds like voter fraud. Also, I really found it funny because he was he was like, okay, well, be there at 6.30, okay? And he was like, uh, no, I'm going to get there at 8. I'm going to get there at 8. And I was like, cool, cool, awesome. And he was like, okay, fine. I'll see you there at 8. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. You're in charge of this. If he needs to be there at six, you tell him he needs to be there at six. What the fuck? Assert yourself. Assert yourself. Be uh, assertive. No. So at the prom, and we're at the prom now. It's it's very shiny. It's very. It, this whole scene is kind of very magical. Like mm-hmm. for me, as a fan of this movie, I find this scene from from here until the pig blood scene happens, just so magical and the from the start of the the scene you kind of like have fallen in love with carrie and fall in love with the situation of her and being there um you see that she gets a little nervous mm-hmm. in the car and tommy's like it's gonna be okay like you know what we'll wait here for a little bit until you catch your nerves yeah um but then uh, oh and also we get a little little cute moment because carrie has the picture of billy in her in her room which is really really cute i think she i think she truly does have a crush on him yeah um so they go in we have they have a band playing um so carrie ends up really finding acceptance amongst her peers um at this moment like i I think one of sue's friends really befriends her and she's like here come sit with us don't worry about it um and they find the table and they start to sit down and talk and, you know, really bond. At some point, Miss Collins comes over and sits with Carrie and talks to her about, like, how her prom night felt really magical. And I hope that she feels the same thing, too. And, and tells she, her how pretty she looks. Ah, oh, it's just so nice. And the whole time this song is playing, because I, I, always, I always found it so beautiful. Oh, just listen to that. I hope, like, YouTube doesn't, like 
copyright me for all this. They're just like, bitch, you can't play this stuff. Yeah, I'm just gonna fast forward it. So I don't I don't get copyright claimed. It's just so yeah. beautiful. Well, and at this time, Tommy also looks at her and is like, do you want to go dance? And she's like, no, I kind of just want to sit here and like take this in. He's like, okay, whenever you're ready. Like he's like, he's being so sweet to her. And you just like I mean, we, we've seen enough movies by now to know, like, this is building up to something bad. Something yeah. really, really bad. And because it's just so sweet and, like, everything is going well for her. It's Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, it's too good to be true moments. And and then so eventually she does get up and she says, you know, we can go for a dance now. And they get out and they start slow dancing and this is where the movie starts to starts to make you uncomfortable and starts to say some shit is about to happen because well they start, I actually really don't like this scene they because start spinning and the camera like they are spinning and the camera is spinning in the opposite direction it keeps getting faster and faster and faster but no but I love this part because it kind of shows how Tommy is also kind of getting lost in this and getting infatuated mm-hmm. with Carrie. Um, so they're slow dancing and they're they're talking and making each other laugh, and then he he goes even like you know what I'm having a really good time mm-hmm. I'm having so much fun and he's like having like they just get lost in it I don't like this scene because it gets me nauseous I have to look away because it just goes too fast in a circle and I even thinking about it right now it makes me want to vomit mm-hmm. so unfortunately normativity this oh my god Blech. this portion I could not um I could not watch for too long because um it spins around too fast so if, if you get if you guys get nauseous really easily maybe watch out with this one mm-hmm. um but we do also get the scene where we know the plan yep. of the the villains of the movie, the popular, the people. Um, so they, I don't know who did it, but somebody put the names of Carrie and Tommy into the ballot for prom king yep. and for prom queen. Um, and what was going to happen is that they were going to rig the election or the votes um, by, I guess, making pre ones, which is a lot of work. All of this is, is a lot of work. It is like you just to just like, like gone on with your life. Yeah, this is just a lot of work to do. And like, who cares? Who cares? Everyone did their detention. It really wasn't that bad. You had like a week's detention, and you still got to go to prom. Like, mm-hmm. come on, get over it. Um, but yeah, they were gonna switch the votes, so it made Carrie and Tommy win. And I, I wonder if that actually would have happened anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yeah. So at this moment, Carrie does win, and we have this slow motion moment where she just can't believe it. She's like bathed in this angelic light. Yeah. And she gets up, and everyone's clapping for her, and she's being led over to the stage, which is like this glorious piece. It really isn't that glorious. I'm making it sound better than it is. But for me, I'm just like, ah, that just is magical. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But she is um she's like escorted and everyone's just having like like they're just applauding her. Um pause on that on the opposite spectrum. We have one Chris and Billy who sneak into the prom and are underneath the stage under these stairs with the rope tied to the bucket on top of uh, Billy uh, and top of Tommy 
and Carrie, specifically Carrie, with the with the pig's blood in it. Um, so they're there and they're holding onto the ropes, ready to the moment where they can just pull it. All this, along with the score, which is mixed. Now it's so funny because we've had this music separated for so long that now it's like coming together in mm-hmm. once when one track because you hear Carrie's theme as she walks towards the stage but at the same time you hear this like this like kind of suspenseful music going on as they're kind of just waiting to pull the the rope but you also have Sue, who was at dinner with their par- with their parents, and they're like, "Oh, it's eight o'clock. I gotta go over to the prom because she just wants to see how everything is going." Mm-hmm. So she also sneaks into the back way of the gym, and she's like looking from afar and sees everything happening. She won prom queen, and she's actually really happy for. Carrie, and in that moment, it's like, oh, this is all going to work out. Yeah. And she then also notices Billy and Chris underneath the stage. Well, yeah. She that sees doesn't... the rope, and she's like, oh, fuck. Well, no, it's it's backwards. So she's holding on to the wall, and she's staring behind it, right? And she's looking at the stage, and then she feels this rope moving back and forth. Yeah. And she's like, they're like so excited. They're like making the whole rope shake. Well, no, they're also fighting as to who gets to pull the the rope. So they're kind of passing it back and forth. And so she sees the rope going like moving around and she's looking at to what's happening. And so she looks up and then it goes like, you kind of follow her eyesight to where it's leading. So she's kind of putting two and two together and then, like, perfectly, this is, I don't, I don't know why I love this scene so much, but, or, like, this decision, but there is a, like, fringe or some sort of, um, not a banner, but, like, what's those things called that you hang up? Uh, I thought it was, like, a piece of fringe. Yeah, we could just call it fringe. Sure. Something falls, and it's, like, it's like a ribbon. Mm-hmm. Um, falls from, from the top decorations and it matches from where the blood is going to end up falling, which is going to be on Carrie because it's like hits her head and falls to the ground. And I'm like, Oh, that is movie magic for me. Cause I'm like, she's gathering what's happening. And it's like, what is this? And then she slowly starts to see a figure, a silhouette of someone. She doesn't know who, because she doesn't know the plan, but she sees a silhouette of people underneath the um, underneath the stage behind the stairs. Another thing that I really liked, another shot, was when we were seeing the stage being built up, mm-hmm. we get a little bit of a pan. It's like a one scene. And I think it was the scene when they were collecting the ballots or something. Yep. And it's a one shot of they look at the stage and then we follow the pig's blood at over overlooking everything. Yeah. It's kind of hard to describe because this whole scene for me is so good. It's building up suspense. The music is so good. And I kind of want to like take a listen to that right now. So we get Carrie's theme, but then it easily transitions into uh so good because it's yeah. like 
it's building up. Like, don't forget, like, this is going to come up. But then we get this music, which is Sue figuring out what's happening. And she's, like, putting things together. And it's just, all, it's like all of, like, a dream state in this moment, right? And Sue is going towards the the stage blanket or whatever it is, curtain. Mm-hmm. And she opens it up and sees Chris and Billy there. But before she could say anything, the coach realizes that she's there, Miss Collins. Yep. And is, like, thinking, I guess because she put two and two together, thinking, like, oh, because Tommy and Carrie are there, maybe Sue is trying to ruin this for yeah. her. I, I was going to talk about that because then she uh, she just starts taking her away. And you see her try to be like, wait, no, like this, like something's about to happen. And right then. And it's perfect because uh, this again, this has to go with the score. It has to. This is her grabbing her, pushing her out. And then the bucket of blood yeah. comes out. Ah, uh, so good because you know what's going to happen she was so close um we're listening to this soundtrack online it's on youtube and somebody says denagio should have won an oscar for this score yeah yes this score is so fucking good um but are you ready for me to ruin the scene for you fine do it so uh fun little fact about blood all all (laughs) blood uh coagulates when it's outside of the body which means that it doesn't stay liquid it like globs up yeah so what really would have happened in this scene what you saying it turns into jello it turns into jello after about like 30 minutes outside of the body or less unless they added anticoagulants into it which i don't think these kids were smart enough to even know what an anticoagulant <laughs> was um but they would have uh, unless they added something special to it which they didn't do um basically what would have happened is like a jello mold of blood would have fallen on her, which still would have been super gross, but this is not scientifically accurate. Blood would not stay liquid, you know, let alone 30 minutes. But this, this has been out of the, out of the pig's body for at least 12 hours because they did it the night before. So it wouldn't happen this way. Sorry. Whatever. I still think it's a good scene. I'm sorry that I went, shot by shot about it because <laughs> i love this scene it's I mean, so iconic to. it's the it's it's kind of like the big scene in this movie it's the it's what you watch this movie for is to see that uh bucket drop over carrie's head yeah. um because you know what's about to happen like carrie's going to go full ape shit right now um also just there's a line in Scream that references this movie because when uh, when Billy gets outed or you know we find out that Billy's the killer, he turns around and he goes, "We all go a little mad sometimes," and then licks the blood off of his finger and goes like, "Corn syrup, the same thing they used in Carrie for pig blood." Mm-hmm. You know things they stick with my mind. Um, so Corn syrup is super sticky, so I. <laughs> Do not envy Sissy Spacek here. So Carrie's joy is cut short when Chris pulls a rope to dump the pig's blood on her. Chris and Billy escape through a back door while the bucket falls on Tommy's head, knocking him unconscious, which we also believe he died from. I think he also dies from 
the head trauma in the book too. But I think they successfully get him out of okay. the of the gym. Um, the blood-soaked Carrie hallucinates that everyone in the gymnasium, including Miss Collins, is laughing at her, motivated by the fact that a small majority is indeed laughing at her. That's the thing that is kind of debated. You think that everyone is truly laughing well, at her. And I have come around since then. The first time that we watched this movie, I did think that that's what's happening. And then after you pointed that out, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that they're still laughing. But then what what I noticed is that when it cuts back to Chris and Billy uh, running out the back, it's dead silent. And they're just on the other side of the stage. So if the whole gymnasium was laughing at her, you would hear that. Yeah. But you don't. And that feels like a really uh that feels like a really intentional thing to put there. Yeah. Because it shows that like PJ Souls' character is laughing at them, but no one else is. Yeah, well, because at that moment she's probably so ashamed, embarrassed, enraged. Like, she's probably super fucking pissed mm -hmm. that she is just clouded with, like, everyone is laughing at her. Everyone, like, just... And we, we get the quote of Margaret's mom constantly saying, they're all gonna laugh at you. They're all gonna laugh at you over and over again in her mind. And I can only assume is because of that that she starts to see all this yeah. and just gets... has her power take over a little bit, you know? And, um, and it's kind of hard to find out how long this actually is because it everything from here for the like a good five minutes is all slowed motion. Yeah. Um, so because my thing was like, why didn't anyone rush up there to help her? Yeah. And we uh, you really have to hand it to Sissy Spacek for this entire scene. Her acting is so you good. see the shock of what happened the shock, in her face the embarrassment that the the rage but the 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 fact that it's like she first off like she's like her eyes are so big mm -hmm. and she just can't believe this just happened but then eventually just like decides to like you know what fuck it you know it's kind of like that moment where you're like it, it's kind of like you see her mind break a little bit yeah you see her realize that she can just kill everyone and get her G her GED later. Oh, yeah, I was thinking her. Yeah, okay. Um, enraged, Carrie goes into a silent psychotic breakdown. Which that's what I'm saying. Like something broke in her mind where she was like, "Yeah, this is this was too much to to handle," uh, which causes her to unleash telekinetic fury upon the crowd, guilty and innocent alike. The door slams shut. A high-pressure water hose assaults many people. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the door seems shut. A high-pressure water hose assaults many people, including Norma, who is knocked unconscious. The principal is electrocuted. Miss Collins is crushed to death. And Mr. Fromm is electrocuted so badly, his body erupts in flames, setting the gym on fire. Now, this is where we talked before about the split screen starts to happen once the um, once everything starts to explode like i think mm -hmm. the once she is once the principal is electrocuted the lights go out and all you see is red um and that's where everything starts to get like super intense um i will admit i am 
I mean, this is just because I just love Carnage and movies. I did wish this movie amped up the, not amped up the violence, but like amped up the kills in some interesting ways. But I mean, realistically, a fire ho- hose is really strong enough to kill a person. Well, maybe not to kill them, but it will seriously uh, them harm them. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a fun experience to be hit by water at the pressure that would be coming out of that hose. This is the, the, and and I, I have to say, I feel like they did a a really good job with the effects considering the budget that the movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you could see, and I said this before uh, when we were watching it, CC SpaceX is like having this whole gym being set on fire right now. Yep. Like it looks real. Like it looks like she's walking through flames right now. I can only imagine how dan- like dangerous and scary it was to do that. Yeah. But she is rocking it. Oh my God. How fucking creepy and like very Wanda-like. You yeah, know? She, you, you, she's just decided everyone has to die. Yeah. And she's she has no other there's emotions no there's no other emotions in her he- head um the one kill that i did feel bad about was miss collins though yeah i did feel bad because i honestly thought miss collins did care for her at some point and even yelled at her name to stop because she probably at this point knew mm-hmm. that she was doing this yeah um and had one of the i don't know what it was something was like held up I mean, it almost looked like the things that like hold up the lights and the speakers. I don't know, but something fell and it crushed her. Yep. Do you think that would have realistically like killed her? <sighs> it didn't look like it would have, but you know, Carrie was probably like, "No, I'm a, I'm gonna just push this extra hard." Oh, like really, like slam it into. Yeah, her. yeah, it looked like it hurt. And we see that Chris and Billy are watching all of this happen from a window um, near, like, outside of the gym. So they're all witnessing people die right now. Um, And the fire is just spreading everywhere. And you just see her slowly walk out of the building. And you just see the silhouette of, one, the doors opening on their own and her just walking out. Yeah. It's uh, very, very cool. Do you think um, Chris and Billy like actually put two and two together that like this is their fault? No, because I honestly think that they still to this to this time blame Carrie because at some point they try to kill her because yeah. of what she did or because of I, I mean, they, they can only assume that she did that because there's no moment in this movie where they're like, oh, my God, she's using tel- telekinetic powers. Stop her. You know? Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that they still do blame Carrie. Um, and they also she also makes sure to lock the students inside this. So they yep. all have no way to escape. So they definitely are goners. As the inferno rages oh yeah, later that night. Carrie, still in trance with rage, walks slowly home as a fire truck truck rushes by her, siren on full blast racing towards the burning school. Just then, Chris and Billy, who witnessed all, attempt to run over Carrie in revenge for the massacre as she walks home. But Carrie causes their car to flip and explode, killing them both by burning them alive. Yep. I think in the book, she makes them crash into a wall. Okay. Yeah. Um, at home, Carrie washes the bl- pig 
Meg's blood off in the bathtub, finally breaking out of her sane, insane state. Carrie is comforted by her mother, who strokes her daughter's hair as she tenderly comforts her in her arms, revealing her guilt about having conceived Carrie through her only act of sexual intercourse with Carrie's drunken father, which was marital rape that she had in part both enjoyed and loathed. And this is like where everything really started to click in my brain of like, oh, this is like totally why her mom is is the way that she is. Yeah. Because, I mean, it it's it really suggests that her mom was always a religious person, but that after this, after she was raped by her husband, yeah. um, she really, like, her, her answer to that was falling back into, into religion so heavily because the fact that she, she, she hates herself because she, because she enjoyed it. At least she, you know, she she said that she did, yeah. which makes her hate it even more because she she knows that it was wrong, or she feels that it was wrong for her to enjoy that. Yeah, and so her response is punishing herself, and that also just leads to her trying to keep Carrie innocent and young forever because because you know it's like is she she's torn between wanting to keep her daughter safe and her daughter being the reminder of this horrible thing that was done to her. For sure. As they pray together, Margaret stabs her daughter in the back and pursues her through the house with a delirious smile on her face. Defending, I mean, I also think that at this point, Margaret White also has snapped a little bit. Um, I think she's no longer really thinking right. Mm -hmm. Um, Defending herself, Carrie uses kitchen utensils to fly through the air using her telekinesis and crucify Margaret. Distraught over her mother's death, Carrie loses control of her powers as the house crumbles and burns down around her. Sometime after Carrie's death, Sue, the sole survivor of the prom massacre, is laying flowers on the charred remains of Carrie's home beside a vandalized for sale sign saying Carrie White burns in hell. Just then, a bloody arm reaches from the rubble and grabs her, causing Sue to wake up from her recurring nightmare, screaming. And I think that this this ending scene was also really powerful. So I do want to, before I talk about the scene with Sue, I do want to just mention that uh, that it's it's so funny. Not funny is not the right word. It's so almost fitting that. Carrie put her mother in the same position as the uh, as the Saint Sebastian yeah. statue. That it was almost like she she was still like subconsciously viewing her mother as this like holy figure that 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 could do no wrong, even though her mom tried to kill her. Yeah, and uh, well, because I also think that she realizes that she has sinned. Yeah. I think she also has and and this is that in mind. And this is when it hits Carrie that like all the stuff that that she did because she she lets the house burn and then pulls it all down almost like she is dragging herself to hell. Yeah. Because that's where she she is damning herself. Yeah, I think she's definitely like we we were we belong in hell um kind of thing because she knows that her mom wasn't perfect and she knows that she just did something horrible so she has to yeah exactly yeah. how you said it 
Um, I also feel really, really bad. One, because I feel like Sue definitely blames herself oh, for everything that happened. One, for participating in the whole prank for Carrie. Two, for getting her uh, boyfriend involved. Three, for making him take her out and go to the prom. But also for not being there for Carrie as well as much as she should have. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I, I could see so easily how, how Sue could rationalize that this is her fault because you know she could, she could easily think that like if she had never convinced Tommy to go out to, to take Carrie to the prom, this wouldn't have happened because Carrie wouldn't have gone to the prom. That's true, this thing wouldn't have happened if she hadn't, if she had just been able to to intervene before the pig's blood was dropped on Carrie, mm. uh, you know, it it probably wouldn't have happened then either. She had even gotten Carrie to step like five feet forward. So the blood just went on the stage and everyone is like, who did that? And then Chris and Billy get in trouble for it. Like, yeah, Carrie might have uh, avoided the the fate then too. So I I can only imagine the trauma that Sue must live with. So yeah, we get this score which is kind of Carrie's theme but now it's with Sue and she's kind of even though we have a like cross here that says like Carrie White birds in hell kind of kind of deal she still is just like emotional you see the tears in her eyes Um, but then it quickly I think the the jump scare happens here and we get this good score Mm -hmm. hey Hey, 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 drop it, drop it, hey. Hey, what what I wish I could rap, cause I'll <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm I'm having too much fun. Guys, that is the end. We had reached to the end of the movie. I think we've squeezed out everything that we could say about yeah. this movie. Um had really great discussion. But in the meantime, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be talking about our just desserts which is our ratings so stay tuned and welcome back everyone it is now time for our Justice segment. And in this segment, we give our ratings first from zero to 10 scared Cody's on how scary it was. And then from zero to 10 on how you would rate this movie overall, which is zero to 10 buckets of pig's blood. Buckets of pig's blood. Yeah, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, zero to 10 scared Cody's. How much would you like to give it? Um, I would probably give this one like a two a two scared cody's yeah it wasn't it wasn't really that scary to me okay i yeah i think i don't think this is scary i think this would be a number two as well from zero to ten on how you like this movie overall i i think i gotta give this one a nine it's a great movie there's really not a lot of negative things to say about it it's super enjoyable the score is good the acting well from sissy spacek and a couple other people was really good um I, I mean, there were like there were some silly parts that detract from it a little bit, but yeah. overall, I think I think the movie was great. 
I think the movie is great too. I'm going to give it a nine. I think they really nailed it with this movie. And even if they weren't confident, had a limited budget, I think just how they worked around that, they still gave us a really thought out movie. The performances were great, even though they were people who were like, I don't get this movie. This is kind of crazy, but I guess we'll, we'll do whatever we can. Um, was it's so good. Did I give my rating already? Yeah. I, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Still one of my favorite movies. I love to watch it. Also love that it's a mostly female-centered cast. Um, a lot of great you know, women in this, in this movie giving great performances. And the horror aspects are good, too. You know? And that's, I think, when you know, we're talking about what Stephen King did. Like, this whole scene with the pig's blood and... Carrie going up on stage and all this is in the book. So it's like, it's from his mind. And I just can't fathom how it was his first book and it's now become such an iconic scene yeah. in particular. Um, would you recommend this to beginners for horror? I think I would. I think I would too. I think this is perfect, actually. This is like one of the like foundational movies to watch, I think. Plus, there's also different renditions of this movie, uh, of this story. You can read the book. You can uh, see the movie, the, this one. You can also see the miniseries that came out, as well as the recent remake, which I always thought was unnecessary, but it has Chloe Grace Moretz in it mm-hmm. and Judy Greer as Miss Collins, which... We, we mentioned a movie Jawbreaker that she was in. Also, yep. we love Judy Greer. Love Judy Greer, um, as well as I forget who was in. It. Oh, Julianne Moore, mm-hmm. which I heard she gives a great performance as uh, Margaret White. But so we may have to watch it. We may have to watch it because I do have to give it a chance. I have not seen it. But with that being said, guys, thank you so much for sticking with us in this episode. Um, it's been a while since recorded an episode, um, so. I'm so hopefully this wasn't too disjointed or that we rambled on too much um, for our viewers who are watching this on Patreon. Hopefully we weren't giving too many weird faces. I'm going to rewatch it back. But hey, <laughs> let us know if you like watching the footage. We'll still keep recording if you guys prefer it, um, because then you can see our weird faces when we discuss things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but with that being said, oh, Make sure to go ahead and follow us on Instagram at The Horror Bandwagon. Or on Twitter at Horror Bandwagon. No, the. You can also go to our website, www.thehorrorbandwagon.com. That's where you'll get all our content all in one, as well as our merch. Go over there. It is Pride Month, so anything merch-related you get, we're going to go ahead and donate it directly to The Trevor Project. And with that being said, since we are donating that over to The Trevor Project, um, if you would like to support us in any way, please feel free to go over to our Patreon uh, and become a patron. You get a ton of different um, perks with every tier. We start from $3 to uh, $6 and then $12. So head over there and see if there's any way that you can uh, support us. And we'd be happy to make great, okay content. (laughs) (laughs) But we shall see you next week when we discuss The Loved Ones, a a movie that we have not watched. So this is going to be an interesting one. And some people have said that it's a wild one. So we will see you next week. We have been your source for horror analysis, criticism, and spooky, okay? And sometimes kooky. Entertainment. Bye, everyone. Bye.